Hello and welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And on this episode, we're going to be uh, talking about education. It's a hot topic uh, lately due to uh, the disruptions happening with COVID-19. And I'm excited to be joined today by a science uh, high school teacher, a science teacher who I have a lot of respect for, takes his craft seriously, is rooted in uh, educational research as well. Welcome back to the podcast, Forrest Radarian. Hey, what's up, Billy? Good to, good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Digital digital call here. And we, we did a podcast together a year ago uh, that was centered around, topic was, was basically research-informed teaching and the lack thereof in terms of the training that, that we get and the, how research informs teaching or how it should. We talked about the SAT as well. A year later, uh, much has changed in the world of education. Uh, schools here in Arizona have been closed for the whole fourth quarter. They may or may not open up back again in the fall. And if it does op- open back up, it's going to maybe look drastically different. And, you know, AZ merits were uh, postponed or uh, canceled this year. So there's a lot of questions to talk about here. Let's Let's start with this, though. What's your sense on whether schools will open back up in the fall, and what's your what's your take or sense on, on whether they should? I feel like at this point, uh, there's a lot of speculation going along going on with it, and it also depends upon you know we have these kind of state level mandates as well as districts, and then we've got independent charters and rural districts versus urban areas. I could imagine something like a mosaic where the ADE might say like, hey, as long as you have a set of policies that you are following that uh, are congruent with CDC guidelines, and this is something that also matches the ADE's position, then you are set to open up. Uh, I think that we will, if that's the situation that develops, we will see some schools that will attempt to come back I think some schools will probably defer and will, especially the smaller ones, will probably watch to see what happens with the bigger ones. Um, I think a lot of charters will probably be doing that. But I know there's also going to be a lot of public pressure, both pro and con for it. Um, People who have had their children at home and who uh, are maybe going to have jobs are opening back up. Uh, school is going to be a real pressure for them in order to have a place for their children to go. And and then also just wanting their children to get a strong education. I think likewise, we might see some families who are, who have taken the social distancing very seriously, look to keep their kids at home if they feel that they've been so serious, but they're not sure whether the parents at these other schools or at their school site has been ser- have been serious. Uh, actually, one of my best friends, he has three young children, and uh, he just told me that they are going to go to homeschooling for this next year, um, which he's in the military, uh, and so his wife uh, is able to do that, but they feel that it is a good move for them at this time of uncertainty. Or I could see the ADE making like a big mandate, like, hey, we're all going to be open and you need to make sure that you've got a plan in place. Um, I wonder if it will be something more of a hybrid where we take our uh, maybe special education students, um, ELL students, and we work with them in person in classrooms and small groups. 
and then do some sort of like online distance learning for uh, students from afar. Yeah. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't have a strong feeling or sense, but I think what you're, uh, your perception there, I think, is right on. I think it's got to be some sort of a hybrid, and and maybe let the local schools uh, take it. I can't see one one size fits all. You know, like looking at a huge huge public school versus a small charter school is going to be different. Uh, it's tough. <laughs> it's just very are, tough. I do not envy the principals, the administrators, and uh, the state leaders having to grapple with all these difficult questions. And I think the hardest thing is that. Um, the science is kind of unclear on, you know, the behavior of the disease and how it, how it affects kids and how contagious it is with kids. So there's a lot of, a lot of question marks, a lot of uncertainty that we're going to have to navigate moving forward. Indeed. I mean, we also need to remember that also, you know, uh, people can serve as vectors for the disease moving in between home and, and uh, other students and maybe back to other homes or to teachers' families, so that's also yeah. I guess I guess I guess I can't see everything being shut down uh, for another year or even another quarter. But I also can't see things going back totally to normal at all. So uh, <clears throat> we'll see what the state leaders do and the administrators do to try to. I feel like I also keep looking at things like two weeks out. Like what's happening in the next two weeks? You know, has there been a spike? Has this gone down? Right. Just like we see things opening or maybe suggesting at least to tighten them up. I wonder if we'll see something in the fall where you know, schools will open. We'll see kind of what happens and then we'll either open them up further, maintain the status quo. Or... Yeah. And then if and then if one student gets into your school, do you shut down the whole school or for, for two weeks? Or, I mean, there's so many there's so many hard there's so many hard things and there's going to be, there's going to be individual teachers and, and students that have vulnerable, vulnerable people in their families. They're not going to want to, or be able to show up uh, every day normally. So even if you do open up, it seems like schools are going to have to make uh, certain exceptions for people to stay home and, and learn digitally and, and for certain people to, to teach digitally. I mean, me, me personally, I, I would, if my school opened up, I would, you know, be there and, and, and do whatever they were telling me to do, but it would be a lot, a uh, lot harder question if there was someone in my immediate family who had a, you know, a serious immune condition or it was, uh, was older and it's probably going to see it <laughs> some sort of a, of a hybrid, a, a, as you were saying. The other big picture question is, is what, you know, kind of like more philosophically what education could look like going forward. There's a lot of talk about. There's so um, much talk right now. <laughs> just, just, you know, policy changes, there's op-eds in the, in the paper, there's, there's radio, you know, discussions about, you know, what, you know, there's during times like this, we see tech companies sort of pushing in and trying to oh, inch their way into every different area. There's, there's the homeschool advocates that are, that are kind of, um, in everyone's in disruptive times. I think everyone's trying to move the yardstick uh, further from what they were already kind of going towards. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it, it's a hard question of what should be changed and, and how should we move on from here. But I think those questions are tough without first a- answering a question about the purpose of public education. 
Um, and we've talked about this um, privately a lot, but uh, let's talk about this for a second. What do you see as, you know, the the goal or the purpose of public ed- education? So maybe this can this can be like a, you know, just a, you know, an endpoint goal. What are what what are we doing here in our public schools? What should we be doing, in your opinion? I think the purpose of education in America is to help create democratically engaged citizens. I thought about this quite a lot. I think there's a lot of auxiliary goals out there um, that could also be incorporated in and constructed as a part of the, I guess, the foundations of education. But if I had to go down to the single most defining reason we have public education in this country, it is to create democratically engaged citizens. And I'm not so sure that that is actually how schools are functioning today. Not saying, I'm also not equally saying that maybe this is how all schools um, were founded in general, historically speaking. But for myself as a teacher, when I look at my classroom and I think, what is it that I want my students to walk away with? I want them to be and leave my classroom as self-capable citizens, as fellow voters who are going to actively go out and vote. Uh, That's what I would say. And what else besides, I guess, what in terms of the outcome that you're seeking of, as you describe it, a democratically engaged uh, and active person, uh, what other skills they need? You're, you're a science teacher, so you're, you're teaching kids how to uh, approach a scientific method and be uh, versed in the specific subjects that you teach. Um, but what else from like a whole picture perspective uh, does a student need, in your opinion, uh, to, to reach that outcome of a, of a civically engaged person? So are you looking at the means? Or are you looking at the, the ends? Like, how are we going to measure you know, let's 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 talk or... let's let's talk about measurement next. Uh, but let's let's figure out what are the. I mean, maybe from a curriculum standpoint, um, right okay. now, right right now, maybe maybe you could say that mo- most of the way our schools are structured today, the goal is like college prep, right? That they're that we're trying to we're trying to get everyone uh, with. This pre-college, uh, we have we have all these set standards that our state has created uh, that they have to each each grade and each class has a specific set of standards they're supposed to reach uh, by the end of that year, and at the end, it, it's really uh, heavily emphasized on you know entrance into college and an emphasis on that. There are certain schools that sort of. Uh, go away from that a little bit, but I would say primarily and especially with the way our testing uh, uh, regime is is created, it's, it's towards that college prep uh, mindset. What would the, the structure of the schools or maybe even the curriculum look like if instead of that, mi- that mentality or the emphasis, it was on, hey, let's, let's produce um, self-capable uh, civically minded students oh man i i've thought about this quite a lot uh and i want to be clear before i even say anything about like uh order of curriculum in schools or what should be considered the base of what students learn that 
all subjects rigorous, you know, in their presentation, uh, whatever sequence, all of them need to be available to students. I'm more concerned with which ones do we say like student A, you, you pass this class and therefore you are meeting the qualifications for graduation for being that democratically engaged citizen. Um, with that, uh, I really think that social studies needs to have a much higher place in what we consider with student learning overall. Uh, right now, I think what is it in high school, students only need three years in the state of Arizona of social studies background. Um, and I think yeah, what, and and elect and then there's electives and, and there's whatnot. electives, of course, right? Uh, I I would argue like if we're needing to if we want students to become democratically engaged students that four years should absolutely be there uh i thought about like what are the courses that really would define students and help them to become the scale self-capable citizens i think like human geography uh really immersive government uh and civics courses i know we've got the civics exam but it just feels like a rote memorization of facts as opposed to uh, an authentic, uh, critically examining place for students to explore that particular subject area. Um, I mean, I teach science and I love teaching science and I love all the sciences. But if I had to stand back and say, man, which science courses are actually going to lead a student to be a, uh, a really self-aware and well-informed adult in this world? I see our standards including a lot of material that is worthy for sure on an intellectual level for the sake of like going to college and many different aspects in society. But if I were to th just think of like on a, on a basic level, a lot of these standards are far removed from what students are actually going to, I guess, encounter in their everyday lives. I mean, I would argue that we would need to have required science courses that focus around human health, uh, anatomy, maybe physiology in there, uh, some sort of like nutrition, uh, sex education, and my big one, environmental science, which I'm really passionate about teaching a course that makes you and uh, has you consider the pros and cons of uh, very sustainability initiatives and everyday choices in your life. I'm going yeah. to say like when I think about all the chemistry and like physics out there, do students need heaping loads of these courses in order to exit high school and, and just be a, an engaged citizen? Heck right. no. Do I think they should be there because there are students who want to take it and will, and will grow and they will want to pursue that path in college? 100%. Keep those yeah. for sure. <clears throat> I yeah, think it's I the difference between like mandating it and uh, having it available. Yeah, and 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 we definitely see eye to eye on on this sort of approach to the standards. I, I see us as having so much in there that we try to emphasize and, and that teachers try to get through that we don't really do anything really well, and we don't have a we don't have a set emphasis where we really hammer in on the the kind of outcomes that we want to see. And you talked about you talked about uh, you know social studies and science. Those those 
you know, in a, in a, in a school setting, those things aren't even tested in our state standards. We test, uh, you know, we, we, we really emphasize the math uh, and, and English for our testing. And as a, you know, I just, as a social studies teacher, I almost feel like my classes are not as important because mine aren't tested when there's testing going on. It's like, okay, if I'm assigning homework, it's okay. These kids are really focused in on these other subjects. And this is kind of a support system maybe for them to think about the world in a, in a different place. Uh, I think our, our civics education is totally inadequate. Um, and I, I definitely agree with you that, that man, we need a different approach uh, with civics, especially if you talk about right now with the, just the misinformation and the social media and the fractured, oh, uh, just the fractured media landscape. My kids don't even know how to, how to, how to determine what's, what's going on. <laughs> you know, there really is not a, a, a proper way for, for students to even understand what is going on in in society so they're very vulnerable to uh bad bad actors and 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 getting you know just lost in the uh in the in the in the uh deep net (laughs) but 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 yes you're if I I can go back to something you said about that testing that I mean I think that reveals a lot for better or for worse in terms of whether you know testing is something that even really you know put a lot of weight on it does reveal to some degree what we consider important overall and and there is a sign we do have um testing of science it's uh, i know with the new state standards we're going to be looking at juniors doing so in the future um but you're right you take uh you take multiple years of standardized tests in, in math and english and what the kind of you know whether it's a conscious communication or, or a subconscious one that you in some way, we're saying these are the things that would be emphasized. And then when you take a look at what schools do in response to having, you know, knowing that so much of their school letter grade um, is, is attached to these standardized yep. tests, they then begin to take actions that, you know, put a heavier emphasis upon some of these subjects. Yeah. Now, I'm not, once again, not saying the math and English don't have a place or anything like that. Absolutely. In fact, I, I would su- still support four years of uh, English. Uh, I would say with the more emphasis on writing. But um, that's what I'm, that's what, yeah. that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. That's why I agree with you. And and what what should be we needed we need to distinguish between what should be the absolute like what should be the require the requirement for graduation, right? And and what should be if you, if you'd like to go above and beyond this, here's what you can go to. Um, because I think we should be pushing and have more opportunities for, for students to advance if they want to take high level, you know, calculus and math and, yeah, and ad- advanced classes, or, or like you said, those advanced science classes have opportunities for that. Uh, but if you're talking about, um, you know, graduation requirements, you can think of a whole lot different way to structure even English, uh, and math. And I think the English teachers, even, you know, they, you're dealing with so many just nitty gritty standards that they just get frustrated with, okay, we're, we're doing so much test prep and they're not even learning how to like, you know, construct thoughts the, the way that you would in, in the real world. And we're kind of, we're kind of uh, taking the academic skills and, and, and isolating them and testing them in a way that it really is not, once you get outside the box of, of school, it really isn't the, the, the same kind of skills that you that you end up developing 
uh, in the real world. Absolutely. I mean, like I, I always think about math in general. Like if we want students to be to have a math that makes uh, a math sequence or I guess sort of math classes that they're really going to encounter, you should be focused around personal finance, uh, economics, maybe something tied in with like healthcare, all in that. Yeah, I think statistics be able to stats. be able to look at data and, and stats. I don't think we do that enough as much as we do algebra one. I, I, I think of oh man, I can't remember what state it was. It was either Illinois or Indiana, but like a few years ago, it could still be the case. They worked into their graduation requirements that every student was going to have to take trigonometry and pass it in order to graduate, and all these people got behind it, all these politicians, these education policy wonks. And this is just going to, you know, it's going to make kids so much more competitive for college. And what ended up happening was trigonometry is a, it's, it's definitely a higher math course and, and very important if you are continuing that sequence to pursuing like a math path. But for the average student, leaving high school is not necessarily something they have to take. Their graduation their yeah. graduation rates like hit a freaking wall. How yeah. did they respond to it? Why offering these online watered down versions of trigonometry, right. uh, right. you know, inflation to grades. And it, it was a huge failure. And it was like, why is like everyone, everyone yeah. wants to see every kid uh, do very well intellectually. Yeah. We want that. And the other thing that, and- so, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to kind of add on to that that the other thing that happens when we're when we're doing this kind of curriculum is that the students end up basically repeating the same classes in their in their freshman and sophomore years yeah, of college. Right. So it's 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 not only are they going through this experience, but then they got to redo the entire thing I mean, for their for their undergrad courses before they even. Just, no, no. Go ahead. Before before they get to whatever major that they're actually studying, so it ends up, in my opinion, just kind of really inefficient way to, to get the outcomes that you need. I mean, that just raises a question in my head already. Like if we have these mass numbers of students who are going on to a two or year, four year university, and they are taking a boatload of courses that are, uh, honestly, they tend to be like high school focused classes. What are, how did we produce, like what are standardized tests actually revealing? Are, are, graduation you know are our standards too low i mean i think we find that a lot of these students are ended up taking some of these classes before and now they are taking them again right i, I think that's a whole other like issue of grade inflation the reliability of standardized tests and yeah uh, etc let's let, let's talk about standardized tests a little bit last uh last time one of the news items we talked about in our podcast was the sat considering adding an adversity <sighs> score to sort of try to balance out the inequalities they ended up not yeah. doing that um but got now some backlash on it i think they, they got some backlash on it from all angles and now uh they're uh, it's a big question of whether SAT is going to even happen. The, the UC schools have have yeah. announced that they are they are no longer going to use the, the SAT or the ACT as part of their uh, admissions. Um, so, <clears throat> I guess uh, you know we don't have AZ merit tests this year, so we're not going to have the data. I don't know how they're going to do uh, assigning grades to schools uh, for this year. So that's, I think they're going that's, back and doing the previous grades from the previous, previous year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, 
uh, it's really a time of disruption in terms of, uh, in terms of measurements. Um, I'm not sure if you, you don't teach AP this year, do you? Not this year. So the, I know the AP test, they try to do it online. They significantly shortened their test, but it was, uh, it was kind of a, a debacle, um, with a lot of technical problems and it's, um, you know, they shortened, I don't know how you, with a history test, I don't know how you capture someone's understanding of, of history at a college level with a 30 minute online test. Um, <laughs> but it's, but it's like, but it's, it's starting to make people question, like, what is the, you know, the, the, the role of these tests and whatnot. Um, how do you, let's say, let's say we do go to your sort of democratic outcomes, um, kind of like more, it seems like more like practical and, uh, you know, applied real world sort of stuff. And then, and then wrapping the academic, uh, needs around around that in terms of basic level. How do you how do you structure a test or how do you measure if if a school is you know producing that well? You know, with the civics test, it's easy. You you have a you have a whatever score you get out of a hundred. You know, um, if you were if you were sh- if you were transforming the civics education to emphasize like projects and and experiencing the democratic process at your school or at the local level. You know, how do you, if you're trying to evaluate how schools are doing, how would you even start to approach? Yeah, this is a great question. Yeah. Like, or like, uh, it's essentially the question asking, like, how do we determine what the good school is? Or what right. measure we're going to use for determining, like, hey, this school is a, quote, good school. You know, this school needs improvement here in this area. So, all right, I'm going to give you my, what I would consider criteria. I've actually... I've written some kind of, I was just pulling up a file of kind of personal thoughts I've had on this because I thought a lot about how school success is defined. I'm going to be clear here that the means are not flushed out at all. So I'm sure I would love to engage in further conversation with people over these things. But I would would look at the number of students who vote. I don't even know that's something that can be practical or even real to figure out. Like Like, like down the road, a percentage that voted down the road? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and once again, I don't even know if it would be ethical or right to be like, hey, did you vote and like gather the information? But um, I would say a good school would be one who would produce students who actively go out and vote. Uh, I I would honestly look at student grades. As long as we knew that grades were not the result of inflation and were actually based upon rigorous assessments and learning within the school, I want to be clear here. I'm not calling for uh, standardized so the school, tests in the school. You'd like to see the school creating their own sort of rigorous uh, assessments, assessment tool and have a grade like, within. Hey, within we've the... got, you know, like, hey, we've noticed that, you know, a lot of students have A's here, B's here, C's here, uh, F's here, whatever. And kind of look at, okay, you know, like, wow, you know, we're producing a lot in this end, but not in this end. Yeah. Uh, and there are, and there are best practices and rubrics and things that, that you can use to sort of, you know, sign, kind, not like standardize in terms of everyone's doing the same thing, but there are like, you know, I think people either, people think of it as everything's like totally standardized with a standardized test that is applicable everywhere or everyone or teachers are just winging it and making it up off the top of their head. Yeah. Do not you know, want you can, anything you can, winged in there. You, know, <laughs> you can, but, but you can, but you can create, you can create rigorous curriculum yeah. and, and, and have it, 
absolutely um, be scientifically you know valid for what you're doing uh, yeah and not have it be like a, the same same size fits all everywhere you know and I think these, like, by the way, before I continue with, like, any of these other ones, I'm not saying any one of these, I don't even know what I would weight each one in a school, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, would yeah. you weight this one higher than the others or whatever? These are just, like, a whole bunch of things that should go into it. I, I would want to know, like, how many students can write and do it well. Uh, I feel like that is something I'm always concerned about. Uh, how, you know, the students, uh, do they independently invest in the local community? Do they volunteer? Do they run for office, you know, um, when they when they get out of high school? Uh, do they donate their time, their energy, the money? Uh, and I'm not saying, because I know some schools do this, like we require everyone to have X number of community service hours or we put on the events for students to gather the community service hours themselves. No, that is playing the system. I want to know that students are coming out of a school and are like proactively like, serving their community i think that's huge uh does the local community around that school grow and even flourish because of the presence of that school does uh what are the number of students who post-secondarily get internships or beginning level positions and jobs that they plan to establish a career in and then are able to keep them uh teachers i would look at their attrition rates do teachers want to work at the school do they stick around? I think if you have high uh, attrition rates for teachers, we know that that has a massive impact, uh, research has shown, on, on students. And yeah. I think it reveals a lot about maybe the stability of that school. So if you keep a lot of teachers around, I think that says something. Uh, do the teachers work hard? Uh, do, do they work hard in a sustainable way? And are they committed to their students and families? Um, the number of students who successfully complete college as independent adults without significant debt and with strong grades. I feel like sometimes I hear this, like, what's this phrase, like, uh, C's get degrees. Heck no. Like, what, if we have a bunch of students who are leaving uh, you know, our four-year university system with, like, straight C's, I think, whoa, you know, like, should they have been there? Nah. So, also, if they left with a bunch of A's, but they got incredible, you know, incredible amounts of debt. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. What? You know, maybe I mean, they'll get the, a job that pays that off, but that seems. I mean, all, all the thing, yeah, all all the things you're talking about are. I mean, they they strike a core with with me, and the, what what I also see as maybe the you know the a very healthy, positive school. What kind of outcomes they bring? But I'm also like thinking about that. We don't we don't measure any of those right now. I mean, those are so they're so subjective. The, the ones the, the measurements we use are are totally separate from that. So. What are the means to get there? I, I have no idea. But, <laughs> I have no idea either. I, I but I think no. Go ahead. But but I think those are the the means to 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 emphasize those things. You can if the I think if the will is there, if the public desire is there to to get towards those goals, we'll find a way to end up evaluating things that way or or, or moving that way. There's a lot of smart people out there that can that can go for like I guess what I'm saying is I think there is a way to uh, hold schools accountable for those goals, even though we don't have them yet. I think that those kinds of I agree. I think that when we oftentimes put an ends out there, very intelligent people sit down and find a way to 
you know, figure out the means to do so. Uh, yeah. Uh, just these last ones here real quick. Uh, whether students attain internships throughout their high school careers or high school paths, uh, students who read for pleasure and information independently. Man, I had this moment a few years ago when I was, you know, talking with some of uh, the seniors who I teach. And this is a, it's a good mix of students who were in my class who in other classes were taking AP English, honors, or, or just a, a regular uh, sequence course for English. And amazingly, they all were just super open about how many of them had not read a book in years. Mm-hmm. That they relied on spark notes and online forums, which is, I was like, wow. And I was sitting there, I thought, what are we doing in schools where we produce kids who don't want to read for pleasure yeah. independently? Or I look at some, like, I look in the elementary level and kids are reading these readers, these like leveled readers that are just have terrible substance to them, but are very good at building those test-taking skills of fluency and comprehension, et cetera. But the kids hate the books they're reading. And it's like, yeah. if you create a whole bunch of people who are really good at passing a test, but no one wants to actually do the activity the test is purported to like, show mastery of, then what have you accomplished? Yeah, that's, um, that's, <laughs> that's kind of been my message during this uh, digital learning time with, with a lot of my students is like, you know, read <laughs> find something that you want to read like yeah I, I know everyone's stuck at home and we're not getting the same kind of stuff but um there's a wealth of information and, and reading material out there as long like just read go go find something you're interested in just read you'll just get, read you know, absolutely you'll, read, read um, real literature not leveled readers that are yeah. like and good and at that's performing for tests and that phenomenon just kind of last couple couple of points here that that phenomenon about kids using spark notes and kind of just just doing what they can to sort of get get the grade without doing necessarily the the authentic learning behind it that is so widespread that i i think if you're not experiencing it on a day to day you don't you don't realize how how much of a norm that is uh for students to approach this kind the school that we've created uh in that way um whether it's, uh, I, I've seen, I've seen math, uh, online math programs that kind of sequence the, the learning where you're supposed to sort of go through these exercises and, uh-huh. then, and, and, and it's just, it's just, uh, how can you, how can you put in the right answer without learning anything? Because you hate the program is, is, is the approach that I've seen more common than not. You know, if you have, you know, six or seven classes and you've got all these tests and all of them, there's, it's really impossible to, to slow down and really absorb, uh, in a, in a really authentic way, um, uh, an educational experience where you advance in a love of learning and want to keep doing it, uh, even when you don't have to anymore. Absolutely. I think that, you know, in whole, these are, these are items that are a much more, I don't know, valuable, realistic, revealing the quality of a school. If I knew that there was a school around the corner that did these things or was, you know, had these things as their goals, I mean, that would speak a lot to me as, as, as a parent in general. I mean, I feel like right now success 
is based school good schools quotation marks are defined by their letter grades multiple forms of accreditation overlapping awards by like nebulous nonprofits these like empty accolades uh they look at just the number of ap students that they have enrolled standardized test course outcomes and it's just all of this just seems to be used for branding purposes in a way to be like trust us we're the good school we've done these things without necessarily being like is the school letter grade reliable is you know why are there so many different forms of accreditation that schools have there and how can a school exist and not be accredited in the first place as a public school institution in the u.s i think we should have some concerns about that yeah Um, so well, this is uh, this has been a great conversation. Um, I want to definitely continue uh, oh, yeah, our sure. kind of uh, grappling with these uh, subjects. But I appreciate your your sort of approach to this and uh, the passion you have that you use to to do research and think and and uh, develop uh, ideas. Last question here. Last time we talked, you were going on a. a adventure on the Arizona trail. Uh, you got any, you got any, uh, upcoming adventures, uh, this summer? I know, you know, everything will be local and, uh, and socially distanced. You know, I had originally planned to bike pack the great divide this summer, but that doesn't seem uh, responsible nor appropriate given, uh, what's happening in many of the rural communities along the route while the, Navajo Nation, that part of the route passes through. Uh, so I'm going to keep it local. I'm going to do some big rides. I'm going to explore some parts of Arizona uh, in a way that you know, hopefully doesn't put myself at risk and therefore invite first responders to put themselves at risk of exposure. So, yeah. Right on. Well, thank you very much for us for being with us. Very much appreciated yeah. uh, the conversation. Can I say one thing real quick? Because I just believe yes. this so strongly. Yes, sir. I always think this about like myself and, and when I uh, talk about different issues, that I do not keep rigid thought on things. I really strongly believe that you know this is where I stand right now on these issues. But if someone were to pre- present a really good argument and, and evidence otherwise, I mean, I will always pursue truth and change my position in that yeah so. i know thank you thank you for saying that because i uh as, i appreciate that uh about you and i, tr- I try to kind of keep the same sort of uh openness and i one example of that is on standardized testing sometimes you know i can be talked into uh you know having a having like even though i hate standardized testing and the idea of it and i I complain about it a lot. Sometimes I hear a good argument about, you know, having a, having an objective measurement of something in which uh, you know, everyone can have. And, and, and yeah, of course there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, we live in a democracy. We're going to be create, you know, c- c- creating this new reality together. Uh, so I think having an openness and a willingness to, change your mind and and that's okay it's okay to it is okay to kind of evolve and and change and and as you learn new things i mean that's i think that's what education is all about too is is letting new information and knowledge sort of shape the direction that you're going absolutely man learn forever right on all right Thanks. Uh, thanks for us. Thanks for listening everyone to the political notebook. You can, uh, subscribe to us on, uh, 
Apple Podcasts, uh, Overcast, uh, Pocket Cast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.